Jonah tonight. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10, there has just been a great repentance in Nineveh at the preaching of Jonah. Uh, verse 10, and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled uh, before, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger uh, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die. Uh, than to live. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word tonight. And, and Lord, you are gracious and merciful. And, and Lord, we do thank you for that. And uh, I thank you, dear God, for the services this morning and for, uh, for the filling of your spirit to uh, be with the word as it goes out, teaching in the Sunday school hour and the worship service. And what a privilege it is to have your word, to have your spirit, to have your son as our advocate. And all that we have all in Christ, and, and we do thank you for that. And I pray for the filling of your spirit, ministering uh, the word and uh, to your church tonight. I pray for Sister Sandra in the nursery, filled with your spirit, watching the children, dear God. And I thank you for each one here with us. I thank you for those here with us online. And Father, we do look forward to the time that, that these can be back with us. We miss them. And, and Father, uh, might we be mindful of of their trials, especially knowing that in the hearts there's the desire to be here and, and they can't. And, and God, uh, uh, let us keep them held up in prayer. And uh, you know our hearts that we miss them. We long to bring them back, for you to bring them back uh, quickly, God, and uh, help us in that. And uh, please help me by your spirit and just speak to us afresh and anew tonight. Uh, Lord, we thank you. We praise your name. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We looked last week at uh, Jonah chapter 3, and we saw an amazing uh, revival. Uh, the great uh, metropolis of Nineveh uh, being brought to their knees, literally, likely prostrate, uh, as serious as they were about this thing, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in averting God's judgment. Uh, they turned from their evil ways and, and repented, and of course God saw their works, uh, and God uh, did not judge them as he would have had they not repented. We, we see a uh, review briefly some about this great repentance. Uh, the, uh, the king of Nineveh arose, and he lays his robe from him, verse 6 of chapter 3, covers himself with sackcloth and, ash and ashes. Uh, end of verse 7, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink uh, water. 
Uh, I mean, they, they're going out in this thing. Uh, let, uh, let man and beast uh, be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Turn everyone from his evil way. Uh, who can tell if God will turn away from his fierce anger uh, that we perish not? And so uh, he puts this, this command out there. And uh, man and beast, and I often wondered about the beast, you know, if they could talk like Balaam's donkey, they'd be like, what did we do? <laughs> How can we got to go through all this, you know? But, uh, but they, they want to cover all the bases, so, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll starve the cows, too, you know, and, and, and all that. So it's interesting that, uh, so, that the way, some of the lengths that the heathen go to that God never required. You know, you even read some of the Jews coming back, uh, uh, you know, into to Gadali and such uh, when he had been left in control there by the king of Babylon. They want to come back with sacrifice. The Bible says they come back with sacrifices, cutting themselves. It's like, uh, where'd you get that idea? <laughs> that was a heathen idea. God, you know, God ne never, never, never required that. And uh, but it's it's funny this strange things when people get away from God, the things that they'll mix in uh, and think that that's a, a sacrifice uh, pleasing to God. But it was indeed a, uh, a great, a great revival, uh, certainly, one, probably one of the most uh, amazing revivals of all history, uh, so much so that it uh, puts the judgment of Nineveh uh, off 100 years. Unfortunately, when Amos comes along about that much time later, they must have gotten back to all their wickedness because what does God do? God brings that great judgment upon them, and Nineveh, of course, is destroyed as Amos uh, amply uh, so. Uh, shows us in, in, in his letter. Uh, and uh, I was thinking about this great revival uh, of Jonah. I wanted to mention one thing. I mentioned it in some conversation, didn't mention it uh, during the service, but you know, all the many thoughts of how did Jonah get to Nineveh. And uh, one of those I was mentioning with some folks uh, after the service. Uh, and uh, uh, that uh, uh, some people believe that the whale uh, actually might have gone up the Tigris River uh, which, uh, you know, and actually spit him out right at Nineveh. And uh, the Tigris River has an average of 4.5 feet deep to 26 feet deep at flooding time. So that would have been possible uh, at, at, uh, at flooding time. And uh, of the few uh, historical records we have of people being spit out by a whale or found in a whale, uh, uh, they uh, were uh, bleached and hairless. Uh, so uh, that certainly, and I thought about that in, in relation to Luke 11:30. Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. So you can imagine that. So if that happened, uh, then uh, it may be that some even in the area saw Jonas spit out. And they thought, whoa, uh, that was quite a ride to town here. And, uh, you know, if this guy lived through that, anything he says, do it, okay? Whatever this guy says, do it, all right? Uh, because this is one crazy guy, all right? And uh, so we don't know, uh, but there's just a whole lot, a lot of things uh, uh, that, that happened there. God obviously worked mightily in some way because that was a mighty, uh, mighty uh, revival. And you would think, uh, considering that revival in uh, chapter 3, that the next step for Jonah would be to document a, a, a testimonial uh, which would declare the amazing power of God in this great revival. Uh, uh, think about that. I mean, if we look down there in, uh, in verse 11, 
uh, God's of chapter 4, God says, should not, should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Now, some believe that that, that that idea that they can't discern between their right hand or left hand is indicating that they are children. That's a possibility. Uh, if, if they are children, uh, then we are looking at 36,000 children. If there are 36,000 children, then a conservative estimate of the, of the population, let's say a conservative estimate, would be 100,000 people. Uh, so we have uh, a, 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 a great revival of uh, 100,000 people, if those indeed are children, who, who have what? All repented uh, and turned uh, from, uh, from, their, uh, from their evil ways. And uh, you would think it'd be time for rejoicing. That's 100,000. What did uh, Luke write in Luke 15, 7? I say unto you, Jesus says, that joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Uh, just one sinner is bringing rejoicing in heaven. Here's 100,000 of them uh, fallen before God. And uh, so certainly Jonah's getting the pen ready to write the great, about the great revival and, uh, and, and document this. Uh, you would think uh, that that, is, that was uh, what would uh, be next. Uh, you'd think that, uh, that the story would be over now. God wanted to warn Nineveh to repent or else uh, he would destroy them. Uh, God had a wayward prophet challenge to address, uh, but he made preparations literally uh, to, to take care of that. Uh, he got Jonah to Nineveh. Uh, Jonah has now preached in Nineveh, and they have repented. Well, of course, there's nothing left but the headlines and uh, to see what God has done. <laughs> well, uh, no, uh, God has yet a wayward prophet uh, uh, in, uh, situation to address once more, doesn't he? Uh, we, Jonah, we saw in chapter 1, was running from God. Uh, Jonah in chapter 2 was running to God. Uh, Jonah in chapter 3 was running with God. And now Jonah in chapter 4 is running against God. And... Uh, and so God has a wayward prophet uh, problem uh, to deal with once again. Jonah, uh, do we realize as we consider this passage here and what's going on here that God is having more problems with one believer than he had with 100,000 wicked heathen, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, we need, we need to be careful that we're not that case, okay? Uh, we want to be people that, 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 that want to listen to God and, you know, do what he tells us to do. But uh, sometimes we want to just want to do things our own way, don't we? And uh, we don't want to see so much mercy on so, certain mercies on certain people or certain blessings on other, others. And, uh, and we would confess that examining our own spirit sometimes. Aren't you glad we don't have to have to tell that to others when we don't voice it? We can just we can just we can just uh, uh, re repent and confess that to God, Amen. Because uh, He hears it and He sees it, and uh, and by the way, so do you and so do I, and uh, so we get that thing right, Amen. And uh, thank God, uh, thank God for that. But we think about that uh, that great revival there, and uh, and what follows in chapter four here is perhaps one of the few things that could be more amazing than the revival itself. Repentant, rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceeding, now, exceedingly. Now think about this. Think of how great that revival was. Now look at Jonah's great displeasure. 
It didn't displease Jonah. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. Okay? And by the way, Jonah wasn't just angry. Jonah was what? Very angry. Uh, wow. Uh, where'd that come from? You know, we, we wouldn't expect that. Uh, certainly, Jonah is having some spiritual problems here. He prays unto the Lord. Oh, Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled from before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, like that, and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah had a lack of love. His lack of love for the Ninevites here is openly revealed. And uh, it's interesting when you consider Jonah that he was a prophet sent to a foreign people and the foreign people heard his preaching and repented. He was a missionary. He, he was sent to foreign people and he didn't love the people. You know, there has, uh, uh, some people have the idea that a, a missionary, well, if you're, gonna, if you're going to a certain field, make sure you love those people. Well, first of all, uh, we're commanded to love everybody, right? Our enemies even. So that's something we're just commanded to do. We're always working. On. By the way, how many of us has got it down where we love all of our neighbors perfectly? Uh, and uh, uh, not too many of us, amen? And, uh, but, and so, well, how do you love those people? How do, you, how do you know you love those people? You've never even been over that country yet, maybe. You've never met any of them. I was reading uh, uh, some of what uh, uh, J. Vernon McGee was saying on. He's, he's talking about when he went to pastor, pastor certain churches. People say, well, well, uh, well, you know, well, just make sure you love the people before you go. He says, well, how, how do I know? I'm not, I have, I'm not even going. How do I know I love them? He, said, he says, I don't know if I loved them when I went. I thought God called me there. He says, but I tell you what, after I pastored there for years, God called me somewhere else perhaps, I, then, then I, knew, I knew that I'd love those people. I built relationships with them. I mean, it's ministered to them. Uh, we, we worked and labored together, and God built that love. And uh, interesting thought, you know, uh, sometimes we, we expect too much of ourselves. You know, if I'm going to this, this, this certain country, should I, should I feel a certain uh, 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 greater love for these people than other people of the, of the, na of the nation? Well, I don't, I don't see where you see that in the Bible. Uh, by the way, who, whose love are we going to share with them? Ours or Jesus, amen? <laughs> it's, it's going to, we're going to share Jesus. And by the way, if we'll share Jesus' love with them, and if we'll love Jesus, Jesus will give a love for them. Give us a love for them. Amen. Uh, that, that, will, that will grow in us. His spirit uh, will, will connect us with people. And, 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 and that love will grow. Uh, that was kind of encouraging to me. You know, a lot of people uh, you know, expect perfection from missionaries and stuff that, they, that you know, they've attained and now they can go to the mission field. No, just like Jonah, they're still working through some things. Amen. And uh, the main thing is, is that God called Jonah to go. Jonah knew God. There's no doubt about that. And Jonah had a message from God. And Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. And those three things made him a missionary to Nineveh. The rest of it, he had to work out. Amen. The rest of it, he had to work out. And, uh, and so we can be thankful uh, that uh, we don't have to depend on uh, our, our frivolous feelings and such. And, uh, but look to God's word and uh, trust his spirit you know, to lead us and guide us. Uh, what an inter interesting thing. Uh, but uh, his displeasure, you know, being, uh, being uh, very angry and uh, being exceedingly uh, 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 displeased there. Now we think about uh, Jonah, his description of God. Uh, 
I mentioned uh, you know, people, that God of the Old Testament. You know, the New Testament, you know, Jesus is love and God is, God is love, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, the lo- love your neighbor and, as yourself. And, of course, that's in, that, start, that originated in the Old Testament, amen? And, uh, and God's the same God uh, in the Old Testament as, as the New Testament, different dispensations, doing some things uh, differently perhaps, has given us some greater blessings uh, in this New Testament age, that's for sure. But he's always been merciful. He's always, uh, he's always uh, you know, been, uh, been merciful, been loving. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, I suppose an unbeliever uh, wanted to... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Uh, chide Jonah a little bit. You know, we have we have unbelievers uh, that uh, they resist everything that that we that Christians put out. You're seeing that more and more, especially as you get on the internet and do studies. Uh, anything that anything historical uh, that backs up the Christian faith, you'll find ten articles that, that prove that that say they've proven that wrong. You, I, I have I, I I didn't think I'd see that so fast, but it's all over. It's all over the place, and uh, of course, it's all just their their opinions and those, and those things like that. But uh, somebody's coming up to Jonah. I want to disprove this, uh, this, uh, you know, this Israelite and this one God thing and God being a merciful God. Hey, here's, here's a guy. Uh, his name's Jonah. And by the way, uh, he, uh, he is not very pro-God right now at this moment, okay? We, I, I think it's safe to say that, all right? Uh, let's go up and talk to Jonah. Hey, Jonah, uh, do, you, do you think that, that, that your God here in, in this dispensation, do you think that he is really a merciful and gracious and forgiving God, and Jonah would say, "Well, of course he is. Uh, why do you think I didn't want to come to Nineveh? I knew what I, I figured that was probably going to happen because that's just the way he is. You see, they would be asking someone, hoping to get a different answer, because Jonah's not very pro God at this moment. But Jonah, what? He just flat out tells them the truth. God is a merciful God, and uh, and he, he's confessing that he didn't have the mercy that God had, uh, uh, but he's but he's at least telling the truth about God." being a merciful God because the fact is Jonah knew it Israel knew it it was well documented it was well demonstrated that God was a merciful God and uh, even in the Old Testament and we'll look at a few things like uh, like that tonight and not go much further than that Uh, he didn't see the Old Testament God in the light that many see him today cool harsh and merciful no God would uh, show merciful on unrepentant Israel uh, during Jeroboam's time as well uh, but uh, 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 Jonah knows uh, that, he's, that he's a merciful God. I think about uh, Moses as he considered leading this nation of Israel into, uh, into, the, into the, uh, the land of Israel where it was going to be their, their prompt there, uh, where, where they would live in the promised land, lead, lead them into there. And uh, the struggles they had with you know, Israel disobeying and back and forth and such and and uh, it was just very wearing on Moses. You know, Moses and God went back and forth. You've all heard the saying if, that if Moses and God ever got on the same page, Israel would have been destroyed, okay? Uh, you know, uh, God wanted to destroy him. Moses uh, talking, talking, God repenting. Uh, Moses, Moses wanting to destroy him, God, God preserving them, just back and forth. You read that all through there. Uh, but uh, Moses finally gets to the place where it's almost like God... I, I just, I just got to be closer to you. I need, I need some more revelation. I, I need, I, I need encouragement. I need some hope. I need a boost, uh, perhaps. And, and, uh, and uh, I want to see your glory. Uh, 
And uh, in Exodus 33, 17 and following, uh, the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. <laughs> Boy, what a, what a relationship. He, and he said, I beseech thee, I beg thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness. Show me you, God. Show me you. I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. God is saying, I will show you who I am. Okay? Uh, and he said, uh, uh, I will proclaim the name of the, name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And by the way, uh, in the context, he's talking about the nation of Israel. Uh, God is going to spare the nation of Israel. That, that is referenced in Romans chapter 9, which is not talking about individuals, it's talking about nations. Important point. Uh, I, will show, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will be show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And Moses says, uh, and he said, Thou canst not, God says, Thou canst not see my face, for there is no man that shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee, thee, thee with my hand while I pass by. Isn't that beautiful? You know, we sing that song, You hide it my soul in the cliff of the rock, that shadows the dry, thirsty land. You can't see my face and live. What, do we, what picture do we see there? See, that Jesus Christ is the rock. And the cleft in the rock is that suffering of Christ. And what did God do so that Moses, uh, so that Mo he could pass by Moses? He put Moses in the cleft of the rock. Amen. Uh, and he covered him there with his hands. He put Moses, in a sense, in Christ. And by the way, in the sufferings of Christ. So that Moses' sins, by pictures, are, are covered by the sufferings of the, of the rock of Christ. And that way... God could now pass by and Moses could see, could see his glory. Could see his glory. What a beautiful picture. Uh, and so God tells him what he's going to do. Uh, and he says in Exodus 34, 5, The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Here it is. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. And he goes on. He is just. Uh, he will judge the guilty. But he what? He's abundant in mercy and forgiving in sins. God is proclaiming himself. And he says, here's what I am. And by the way, that's just the same thing that Jonah said. And it was proclaimed right there by, uh, by, by the prophet Moses. Uh, and of course, uh, God proclaimed it, but he not only proclaimed it, he approved it after that, didn't he? And uh, it was well known uh, of God's mercy in the, in the to the nation of Israel throughout the ages and throughout their history. Stephen would give a, uh, would give a, uh, a sermon reporting on that. 
a, uh, a, uh, a, uh, a topical sermon on God's, uh, uh, care, God's working in Israel. And in, amidst his sermon before they stone him, Stephen says in Acts 13, 18, And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. <laughs> uh, you see, God put up with Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, they deserved to be destroyed, but what? God's mercy continually provided for them. Even when they, uh, they'd gone, gone back from the promise, in that 40 years, what? The manna didn't cease, did it? And, uh, and uh, God still gave them water out of the rock. And God was merciful uh, to those who believed his word, denied his promise, denied his power. His merciful was shown. It was historical record. Stephen used it. He, Stephen also mentioned uh, in his sermon uh, about the period of the book of, uh, 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 the period of the judges. And Stephen says in his sermon after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years. 450 years. Uh, judges. Think about that. And of course, we know what that time was like. The book of Judges. Judges 2.13. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. You know, those kind of people that burn their babies to their gods and those kind of things. Uh, goes on. And when they did that, Judges 2.14, he, God, delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about. Uh, numbers, or Judges 2.16, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them, and yet they would not hearken unto their judges. But they went a-whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves unto them, and turned quickly out of the way. Uh, verse 18, And when the Lord raised, uh, raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For repented the Lord because of their groanings. God felt sorry for them because of their groanings. He sent a deliverer, a judge, and he would deliver them and be with that judge. And it came to pass, when the judge was dead, uh, uh, that, that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. Back and forth, back, disobey, uh, uh, cry out to God, God delivers. Uh, the judge dies, disobey, cry out to God, God delivers. 450 years, folks. Uh, I don't see any mercy, of, any mercy in God in the Old Testament. 450 years back and forth like that. Yeah, he, 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 he brings them through that. Stephen remembered that, and, uh, and, and he preached that. Uh, and then we think about the kings when, uh, when the, the time of the judges ended, and, uh, of course, Saul being the first king of Israel. Now, uh, uh, if we think about the kingdom uh, there and with the kings coming into view, uh, let's just do this. Saul was the first king course of Israel and uh, and we know that he disobeyed he, he did what he wanted to do he didn't obey God fully he obeyed God in the way that he wanted to in the way he believed wanted to believe right and, and was removed because of that and then God set up let, let's consider David as God hitting the reset button remember what God told Samuel uh, when they wanted the king don't they, they haven't rejected you they've rejected me uh, and uh, because God had ordained that his plan was to have judges over them. He says, they've rejected me. Uh, he says, but uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll give them a king. And so they did. They anointed Saul and all that. But God removed him because Saul disobeyed. Let's consider God hitting the reset button with David. Because what did God do? God sought a man after his own heart, didn't he? 
And that was David. And by the way, David had some sins. David had many sins. But David did one thing well. And what was it? Repent. Amen. <laughs> he knew what repenting was. Uh, he would repent. He'd get things right with God. And he'd go on. And by the way, David didn't lead the nation into idolatry. For all his sins, for all his weaknesses, uh, uh, he worshipped God. And his heart was for God. He got things right. Uh, he didn't run his family real well. He made some amends for that in his last days. So he, he, was, a, he was a godly king. And, uh, and then, of course, who followed him? So we'll, we'll consider, we'll start with David as the reset button. And uh, uh, with the kingdom there. And who followed him? His son Solomon. And how long did Solomon reign? Solomon reigned for 40 years. Saul, David, and Solomon, each were all, each were all uh, 40 years. How did the end of Solomon's reign, what did it look like? I mean, and Solomon saw God twice in vision. God spoke to him. But uh, Solomon had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. David finished well. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, uh, the abomination of the children of Ammon, and likewise did he for all his strange wives. That's a lot. <laughs> How many was that? Let's see. Uh, 700 wives. That's a lot of building, okay? Uh, he says, uh, which, he said, which, which brought incense and sacrifice unto other gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which he had appeared, which had appeared unto him twice. And, he, and, and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. So God hits the reset button on the kings. David comes in, he rules with a heart after God. He is chastened for his sins. Uh, he accepts the chastening uh, as a godly man. He grows from it. He finishes well with, with a heart for God. Solomon comes in. He begins well, but doesn't end so well. And within just 40 years from the time uh, that the, actually, it would be, actually it would be 80 years from the time that God hit the reset button, beginning with David to the end of Solomon, Solomon turns Jerusalem into a pantheon. I mean, you can go to Jerusalem and worship any god that you want, and you can find a, a building or some kind of a place built there by the king to do the worshiping. You see, that happened early on before, before, before the kingdoms even divided. You see that? So how early was Israel worthy of any kind of judgment that God would bring? Right off the bat. Right from the end of Solomon's reign. Anything that God would bring, they were worthy of it. They were worthy of it. And uh, what, what a sad thing. And uh, 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 so quickly into the reign, before David's, you know, within, within the generations that David could see, Israel is a place uh, uh, of, of idolatry. And, and, and even Jerusalem is a place of, of idolatry. And by the way, when they did split, what the northern kingdom do? 
right away. A Jeroboam makes what? He makes two calves. And by the way, they were golden calves. Uh, now let's read that in 1 Kings 12, uh, 28. So Jeroboam is going to be king of, uh, of the northern kingdom. They split away from Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And uh, whereupon the king, uh, Jeroboam, took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, Is it too much for you to go up to Jerusalem? Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Isn't that about exactly what Aaron said uh, when he made those calves back there in, you know, uh, in the Old Testament? My goodness. That's only 80 years in, folks. And God's not merciful. And, and it would be another almost 400 years. Uh, actually, almost, uh, yeah, almost 400 years before God would carry Judah away captive into Babylon, 586 B.C. And you tell me God's not merciful? No, God's merciful. And it was well documented. He showed it, and his prophets knew it, and his people knew it. And uh, even when they weren't right, even when they were crossway with God, I think uh, I was, one commentator was noting how that when Jonah, of course Jonah writing the book of Jonah, he doesn't address himself as, 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 as the prophet Jonah. And uh, some uh, saying that the Holy Spirit gave him license to, uh, license to do that because as he's looking back on it, he didn't feel too much like a prophet. <laughs> uh, he realized as he's writing that the inspired record that he wasn't where he should have been. Uh, maybe. Uh, we don't know. But the fact is there are others too. There's, a, there's some. We have the prophet. You know, we have Jeremiah is the prophet, the prophet Ezekiel. But there are some that don't, use, that have, that, don't have that title there as well. So that's not a, uh, that's not a, a sure thing. Uh, but anyway, he certainly, uh, uh, we, we hope, recognized the, uh, the revival they needed, they needed in his heart. So, uh, but yeah, 400 years. And then Jonah, of course, he is prophesying, uh, at least uh, he had writings uh, during the time of who? Jeroboam II uh, of uh, the king of, uh, of the northern kingdom of Israel. And uh, what did he do, Jeroboam II? 2 Kings 14, uh, 24. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. This is in, in the time of Jonah, many believe. But what did God do? Uh, well, while Jeroboam was reigning, Jeroboam, he restored the coast of Israel. We saw this earlier. From the entering in of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel. And he spake as he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which, which was of Gath-hefer. Uh, and so, uh, uh, for the Lord saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter. Uh, for there was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. And the Lord said not that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. So what does God do? I mean, Jeroboam's not even repentant. He's wicked. But God says, you know, I'm not done with Israel yet. And he uses Jeroboam. Many believe in, in Jonah's time. And that Jonah gave the prophecy of that. Uh, to what? To get back some of the towns that the enemies had to restore the borders of Israel. And God's not merciful. You know, and how, how, people who don't see the mercy of God in the Old Testament haven't read the Old Testament. Okay, They just haven't read it closely. Because it's all through there. It's testified by those who lived it by those who were in it and uh and and they see that time that time and 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 time again so we can be thankful amen uh that uh jonah 
Even when he's crossways with God, he gives the, the truth. He bears witness to the truth. God, he knew that God was merciful and gracious and that he would forgive sins. He knew that. And uh, we'll, look, we'll look into some more in Jonah and, and his, uh, his uh, uh, communications with God uh, in chapter 4 uh, next, uh, next week. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and blessings uh, uh, tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, help us, dear God, to remember that you are a merciful God. You are a God that forgives sins. And we do understand, as we've seen with Jonah, you are a God who will chasten your own as well. And you want to do your will in our lives. And you will lead us uh, into your will because your will is what is best for us. And you will do what is necessary, dear God, uh, to, uh, to, to help us walk in your will. We thank, we're thankful that you always do that in, in measure, in wisdom, and in love. Uh, Father, you do it in righteousness and in holiness uh, as well. And so, Father, we look to you in that, and, and we just commit that to you. And just pray you continue to bless these studies. And, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.